Good evening and welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre on November the 9th, 2011, for No Pressure to be Funny. Created by Alistair Barry and Nick Revel and podcasting on the British Comedy Guide. And now, thanks to the use of hidden microphones, a man we heard Nicholas Sarkozy describe as honest and about whom Barack Obama said, I'm happy to listen to him every day. It's your host, Mr. James O'Brien. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to No Pressure To Be Funny, the topical panel show that Theresa May or may not contain subliminal messages. <laughs> we start this evening with the most pressing story of the moment and the news that Silvio Berlusconi has promised to resign. The knock-on effects of this development are proving truly devastating, with the most serious threat coming to the job security of working comedians across the world. <laughs> not since Sarah Palin's decision not to run for the presidency has the comedy community been dealt such a shattering blow. <laughs> Pressure was growing on Italian politicians last night to save their beleaguered leader or be held responsible for a worldwide laughter drought. Speaking from Russia, which has not smiled for over 15 years. A spokesman discussed the difficulties they have had trying to get a single joke past Vladimir Putin. The EU recoiled in horror at the prospect of Germany and France being put in charge of European laughter production. The unthinkable prospect of Jerry Lewis and Jacques Tati films on constant rotation, interrupted only by umpire music and David Hasselhoff videos, edged ever closer this morning with news that China and Japan were preparing emergency game show cover for the Eurozone. These outdated measures were not expected to be amusing enough for anyone but late-night Channel 4 viewers from the 1980s who will laugh at anything. Once again, we must look back across the Atlantic and hope that the sexual shenanigans of a former pizza salesman provide much-needed relief while we wait for the Tea Party to release an actual joke book. <laughs> the parlous state of the world's comedy barometer can be shown by the fact that Britain, often seen to punch above its weight in the laughter arena, seems helpless to act, led as it is by the leaden David Cameron, whose idea of a witticism is a Michael Winner impersonation. <laughs> and with the only real prospect of a laugh coming from the idea that he could one day be succeeded by Ed Miliband. Uh. Dark days indeed. Thank you very much. First up this evening is a welcome return to No Pressure To Be Funny for our musical guest, a comedian who is, according to the Sunday Times, a safe place to bet your comedy dollar, uh, making him one of the only genuinely safe investments in the world at the present time. Please welcome Rob Deering. Good evening. I've got a topical comedy song for you. I don't really do those normally, so it'll be like they normally are, only uh, less rehearsed and more childish. Berlusconi went because of money, not because of underage whoredom. <laughs> yeah. Tony Blair is long gone now, but he didn't go after. He started his war thing. Theresa May yet go over passports. I did that Theresa May joke again with the double May. Theresa May 
may yet go over. She probably won't anyway, does it? She, let's face it. She may. Yeah, Theresa may yet go over passports. She didn't go after cat gate. Why is it that when they finally go, it's never for the thing that we hate? No, it's never for the thing that we hate. David Cameron didn't let a lack of votes to keep him from first place. <laughs> He's kept a lid on Andy Coulson Maybe one day that'll put him out of the race I don't mind what brings him down I only mind if he stays Let's face it, he won't go because of his smirking misogynist I know better Suck up to the rich list Went to a public school, never want for anything Entitled millionaire's shiny face His big smug shiny face There you go Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Deering. Rob will now make his way in a, in a sultry fashion to the panel where he will be joined by, by a, well, a frankly very exciting selection of people this evening. Joining him first is a comedian, author and activist who claims on his website that it may be his fault that capitalism still rules the world. Although this means we may have misunderstood his entire output to date, we're still delighted to welcome Mark Steele. Our next guest is a comedian who, in 2010, dislocated her shoulder and fractured her arm while entering the Worthing International Birdman Festival for CBBC, uh, for which she was found guilty of breaking the never work with children or animals rule on two technicalities. It's Holly Walsh. And our final panellist this evening is a journalist and food critic who writes for both the Daily Telegraph and the Independent, which presumably means he can sometimes be found on the right, frantically signalling to the left that he doesn't really mean it. Please welcome Matthew Norman. It's time for a regular feature of No Pressure to be Funny, which we call the Devil's Advocate. It's my particular pleasure this evening to welcome Alistair Barry to the stage. Alistair will be proposing the motion that Theresa May is a good idea. Many regular viewers and listeners have written in to thank me for my staunch defence of feminist icon and compelling humanitarian Kim Kardashian in last week's show. This week, the name has changed, but the motion remains the same. Where previously I found myself defending the face of bongo jeans, this week we are speaking of the under-fire home secretary and cat fabricator, Theresa May. I refer, of course, to her mention of one man and his moggy in her unfairly maligned Tory party conference speech on immigration. As someone who has frequently shown her love of all things feline merely by her choice of footwear, it is clear to all right-thinking people that she was merely employing that great English tradition of disliking foreigners. This she chose to do through the proven literary medium of made-up stories about cats, thus following in the great footsteps of T.S. Eliot and, by association, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Geoffrey Archer, Bagpuss, and the author of the Megan Mogg books. Now, Theresa finds herself fighting a new battle over the relaxation of border controls. Being in charge has absolutely no bearing on whether she should know what goes on in her department, as has been proven by the vast majority of her predecessors. 
The vile and unnecessary attacks this afternoon in the House of Commons by professional Labour hit woman and harridan Yvette Cooper, who is very unfeminine and doesn't even have any nice jackets, were... <laughs> were at best misguided and at worst designed merely to titillate the older members of the House who don't see the point of women in politics unless they put on a bit of a show for the chaps. As a result, Yvette Cooper has been proven to be a traitor to her sex, much less fragrant than the Home Secretary, and in no way a feminist icon like Kim Kardashian, me, or the Right Honourable Theresa May, who remains a very good idea, as does her imaginary cat. Alistair Barry, thank you very much. <coughs> it's rather hard to work out precisely what it is she's supposed to have done wrong, Mark Steele. Are you, are you clear on what her um, apparent crime is? Well, I gave up on watching the news some weeks ago, but I discovered that there is a much, that there is a much more healthy way of watching the news, which is to watch it with the sound off. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I'll have a record on quite loudly. And, it's, um, and it can actually be quite, quite entertaining. And, um, and so I had no idea that Theresa May's done any of this. I thought that she was just a perfectly honourable woman and I had no idea that she was even in the government. Thank you. <laughs> in fact, health and safety was cited officially as one of the reasons for allowing people through unchecked. Which was slightly persuasive until she then said in the House of Commons they've got no idea how many terrorists might have got into the country. <laughs> I, I don't know what the health and safety executive's position is on international terrorism. We don't need to moment. import terrorists. We can make our own perfectly well. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't understand Coming what, over here, stealing what the hell do these people want to come in the first place for? <laughs> I think this is a lot of propaganda really to make a, a sort of tourist uh, side of it. I mean, this is one of those stories about nothing, really, other than deniability, isn't it? Well, plausible deniability. Which That's what it's always about with these civil service versus minister things. And as long as there's no email, I suppose the old girl will survive. I mean, I haven't watched the news since 1983. The last time I saw Theresa May, she was plying her trade in Shepherd's Market, servicing Geoffrey Archer. So it's up to me. <laughs> the phrase that kept emerging in the House of Commons was without ministerial authority. And I didn't really understand why. She kept saying it. She said it about 400 times. Without ministerial authority. Yeah. It happened without ministerial authority, which distinguished her from Liam Falk, because that, that was where he failed. Behavioural, what was it? Transactional behaviour was his phrase. He, he was on, the, that didn't work, you see. Transactional behaviour What does transactional behaviour mean? It, it means you've got a means weird friend with yeah. made-up business cards <laughs> which he carries around, Middle Eastern potentates handing out like confetti. And bodies. your friend's just been pictured on the front page of, of some of the Qatari Gazette with a shoulder-held, you know, ground-to-air missile launcher sticking out of his out of his suit. So, uh, the point was, it, it, it went wrong there. Those friends, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Liam Something. Fox knew that Adam Werity was carrying around these sort of lecherous business cards that he'd had run off in pronto print on a, on a special offer discount. Theresa May's argument is, and it's fantastic, the cabinet minister thinks this is a career-saving gambit. I really was completely ignorant of what was going on in my department <laughs> while I was in charge. You can't possibly say me. I was genuinely ignorant. It's incompetence, this. Not arrogance or dishonesty. <laughs> it's raw incompetence. Let me keep my job. The whole thing about, like, we don't know how many terrorists we let in. They've sort of made a negative spin on that, but they could have really done a positive spin, saying it might not have been as many as normal. It could be not. <laughs> <laughs> People, like, they're not going to be in sort of Afghanistan going, maybe 
maybe this is the week because I've I've just heard that there's a there's a little bit of a spat and a little bit of lack of communication going on between the uh, the woman who may or may not be the Home Office Minister yes. and her civil servants. Just something that I heard when I was sort of like, when I was listening in. Well, and you so can. Now, if we get in quickly because it's bound to all come out next Monday in the late part of the If we get in quickly, get over there by Friday afternoon before they've sorted it all out and tried to do a little clampdown to make out they're not soft on terrorists. We can just nip in quickly. Just flash something, an oyster card we'll or something, be, and, <laughs> and we'll be in. Marvellous. You know, and that yeah. is how terrorism works. <laughs> <laughs> the best resignation, I think, ever was Estelle Morris, when she was Secretary of State for Education. Yeah. And she just said, I'm not that bright, really. <laughs> I just don't know what I'm doing here. I sit there, they bring me papers, I sign them, I can't just make out a word of what's in them. But it's getting embarrassing now, I'm going to move on. Everything you go through is just refers to previously thwarted terrorist attempts. Yeah, so it's all yes. liquid and shoes. It's like, that's two terrorist attempts that didn't work. I don't think there's any terrorists anywhere saying, let's try the shooting again. No. <laughs> Come on, we nearly had them. Let's them. do the other shoe. Where did the other shoe fall? Let's do flip-flops this time. Maybe flip-flops is the answer. Or cheese. No one's ever tried it with exploding <laughs> shit. Sorry. <laughs> the likelihood of a resignation of, of a Home Secretary following a Defence Secretary onto the scrap heap, Matthew? Do, do you I'd say it's about a nine to two against. I think Matthew's generous with them odds. What, what do, do you think? Do you want to, well, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, I'll go twelve to one. I'll give yeah, you. Yeah, I'll have a tenner. <laughs> I'll have a bit of that. Mark yeah. 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 Twelve, twelve, 12 <laughs> to one on her go. I mean, that's the unlikelihood. Mm. Twelve mm. to one. Yeah, I think it's not. But what would you have said about Liam Fox three days before his resignation? Oh, oh no, no, no! I, was, really? I wouldn't have given you even money on that. No. Really? Because that had that had this rather weird friendship behind it, which yeah. was fueling the whole thing clearly. That these, yes. men had, that these men had been roommates. It was just weird. Yeah. And weird is worse than ignorant. <laughs> weird is bad. Especially for Tories. They don't want weird yeah, roommates. Well, not publicly. Having weird, one friend is much worse than having no friends, which is where <laughs> <laughs> Theresa May's friends You might so. be right. So yeah. no, no, no... Is that the reason, officially, why he went? I mean, I don't know, because I had the sound off. But, <laughs> but was that the reason for being weird? No, that yeah, did Cameron stand up and say, in the end, yes. it is regrettable that my honourable friend, who has done a marvellous job as Defence Secretary and has done tremendous work in mm. furthering the aims uh, of our defence industry abroad, <laughs> nonetheless had to resign because a level of weirdness exceeds <laughs> that which is permissible within this house. And therefore, with great regret, I must say that he will go, he will continue to perform a very perfunctory, wonderful and useful, if weird, service <laughs> for this great nation of ours. Is that, is that what they said? Now I think we should take uh, some news from Wall Street with, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Revel. Somebody sent me a link to a load of uh, photographs of placards that the Occupy Wall Street people have been carrying and showing. And uh, I know that we've got a couple of comedians who are working uh, out there with the Occupy people who, who listen to us. And I just wanted to throw a little bit of solidarity across, back across the pond by just reading simply some of these placards out that uh, I enjoyed. Sorry for the inconvenience. We are trying to change the world. <laughs> If only the war on poverty was a real war, then we would actually be putting money into it. I hate drum circles, but I hate corporate greed more. I believe corporations are people when Texas executes one. If you are here only for the band, go home. I'm so angry, I made a sign. 
You know things are messed up when librarians start marching. <laughs> and the final one, if you don't understand why we are here, but you can name all the Kardashians, it is time for you to turn off the TV and pay attention. You know, the estimates that are issued by the police and the organisers are always wildly at odds, but it seems fairly uh, undisputed that there were 2,500 students protesting today and 4,000 police on standby to look after them, which is almost sort of two policemen each. And yet, still, Mark Steele, perhaps difficult to identify precisely what banner <laughs> these protests are coalescing under. Oh, well, the progress is already made because it's made a, a, a huge impact, isn't it? I mean, people around the world know about these protests. Uh, not just the one in London, but you know, the one yes. that Nick was talking about there. And uh, what an extraordinary impact. I mean, I bet Ed Miliband wishes he could make that much impact <laughs> in five years. I heard a sort of little bit on the radio today when I accidentally put the news on. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and they were saying, oh, but it really hasn't got the, the momentum of last year's protests. And yes. I thought, in effect, what they were saying is, Oh, last year they were smashing up the Conservative Party headquarters. Come win. on, now you're just wandering around the streets like an old-fashioned demonstration. What's the matter with you? Set fire to something. <laughs> In America now, uh, the, uh, the Occupy Wall Street movement is more has a higher approval rating than the Tea Party, which has to be. Does it really? Yeah. See, I don't think that is happening here. I don't it's a slow burn thing. It will pick up because we are because you see, you, you get the feeling from the even from the right wing tabloids that they're very nervous about giving these people the sort of kicking they used to give the CND marchers. Mm. Starting yeah. something up, exactly. It, it, it's, a, it's a fallacy, it's this thing that thing you keep hearing, is like, what do they really want? They, yes. don't, they just want change. Exactly, and that's, and that's <laughs> enough. It's like, change yeah, yeah, yeah. it, you know, do something else. It's such else. bollocks to say that, isn't it? Well, they, they're not, they don't have a solution, you know, they're just against... They have a laminated you know, manifesto to exactly, so everybody will Exactly, if, I, if my car breaks down, yes. I don't have a solution. I still know there's something wrong with the bloody car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I go to a restaurant <laughs> and, uh, and I spend that's the next few days... a beautiful analogy. Yeah, throwing up. The AA man turning up going, oh, it's all very well, you ringing me, but what would you do about <laughs> it? I don't see, I don't see you reinventing the head gasket. So being against things is often more important than being for them. I went to St Paul's with the family uh, at the weekend. Uh, and to see the protesters? What? No, we cheap, were actually... Cheap, cheap way to take go the to, go to church. <laughs> we went to people in tents. <laughs> no, but I tell you, it was. It was intense. I, uh, <laughs> 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 there is an anecdote. No, we went. I wasn't yeah. setting up. Oh. Um, uh, we, no, it was stupid. It wasn't stupid, but we were going to look at where the Great Fire in London was. Oh, yes. But we went uh, to the tent city, and uh, the kids got their faces painted and it was really lovely and everyone was really nice although the longer we stayed still the more there was a crowd of people around us who got like as the waves of the crowd went out the people were grottier and grottier, and grottier. Oh, really? so that was quite fun because we were going well this is very nice and well done everyone and I think we really agree generally with the thrust of the whole thing <laughs> and there's oh oh you are a very smelly <laughs> slurring man I really like it if you weren't so close to my children but then we went into the cathedral um, how much did that cost you yeah family ticket let's have a guess anyone 14 quid 34 pounds 50 what for each person no for no family. family ticket for us and then uh, you're allowed in, that's just to walk you're allowed to, to go in if you're going to a service but you can't go up all the towers and stuff you, you can't go in if you go and pray to right. be fair Okay. You know, so, but it is, there's a sense of, oh, uh, anyone is welcome here, it's £40. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so Richard Dannett is, okay. uh, is the former head of the army. He's expressed concern this week about the morals of the country and says that new recruits to the army can no longer be assumed to have ethical values. Um, uh, sort of commenting in the general context of the protest, he reckons there's a lack of core moral values and an absence of a spiritual dimension. This yeah. is from a former head of the army. So you now have the church and, and the army both leading the line, really, on, on calls for increased morality, which is slightly strange. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but and I never will be, but it's interesting uh, that in America... Uh, you were, if Jesus walked in now... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be impressed. You'd be a Christian. I come from a very Christian family, and I, I'm a Christian, and I despair of majority of Christians in the press because they'll always pick up on the extremists rather than the people who are sort of... They're talking mostly about gays and jewellery. <laughs> That, that is jewellery. Well, you know, necklaces and, oh. and uh, <laughs> dashboard decorations. Uh, even the former Archbishop of Canterbury get, talks about persecution of Christians because some gas fitter's not allowed to have a palm cross on his dashboard. There are saints who got burned alive in oil. If if if, if the bloke, the bloody gas fitter's getting persecuted for his Christianity, what verb do you use to describe the martyrs who were burned? Al Sorry, I've gone off. On a <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's a nurse, and she was saying how one of the biggest things I need in nursing is is you can't teach is empathy you know yes. and I, I think a lot of people do care. go into that and care yeah. I think that in a similar way that that relates to everything you know whether it be it within um, the armed forces or within you know the, the city or whatever You're it's right. just having this em empathy with other people and under an understanding of what you've got and what you can do Ken Costa who is apparently not a, a coffee magnate <laughs> I, I genuinely assumed he was the man behind Costa Coffee but he's not he's a former chairman of Lazard's International and he, he's been commissioned uh, to, to look into this and he's told us he's revealed I don't know how much he got paid for this that the city has lost its moral compass Who'd have thought? I, I, I know. It's, they it's could just they could just easily buy a new one. <laughs> I mean, what we're asking bankers to say is, ten million pounds, you say, I'll just take the one, and that's never going to happen. I no, but that's why you legislate. You don't ask individuals to behave. So empathy is not. Yeah, relevant. but it's more. It's more. Ten million pounds. Yeah, I'll give one. You know, like it's yeah. more. It's more. Um, I don't mind rich people being rich. I just want them to be uh, aware of what they've got and give some of it away. You know, like that's. It's like it's, it's just, just taxation. You know, like yes. you earn money, you pay your money. You don't invest well, it abroad. This is the American model, isn't it? You you, you pay 0.04% tax on an income of 180 billion, and then you you know you build a school or a yes. library or a church. Because the genius of American politics There's a phrase is, you don't persuading, yeah, <laughs> is to persuade dirt poor people to vote diametrically against their own economic interests. This is, I think it was over the health care, yeah. where they run a campaign to say that if there is a scheme whereby you have everybody paying according to their income into a uh, into a system that looks after everybody that's going to make the poor worse off yeah. that's genius the yeah, way they did that yeah. socialize your the government is going to tell you it's going to force you what to do as if like the yeah. problem is yeah, I'm losing my liberty. I might be out of the back having a heart attack. i got some paramedic. He's just going to come round and try and save my life. I haven't asked him. That's taken away my liberty. This just in. Israel is threatening Iran with a preemptive strike to take out its nuclear facilities. I can't help thinking that Israel versus Iran is a bit like Manchester City versus Chelsea. 
All the neutrals want them both to lose. <laughs> President Sarkozy was caught on microphone this week calling Benjamin Netanyahu a liar. Netanyahu's response was, no, I'm not. <laughs> the quality of the contributions from the floor puts you four to shame. It's, uh, it, 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 they're probably questions we needed to... I certainly would Is have... Is there need to make a new Palestine out of it? Well, there, well, there? Well, no, no, I'm trying to win them over. A bit of divide and rule. Is Michelle Bachman funnier or scarier than Sarah Palin? No. <laughs> she's probably madder than Sarah Palin, and she's very likely stupider than Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin has a kind of instinctive genius. Yes. You know how some people can be geniuses at one thing? Yes. Paul Gascoigne was a genius on a football field. He had an incredibly acute intelligence for football. But not such a good hostage negotiator. Not brilliant at the hostage <laughs> process at all. No, I don't think he was given a fair crack no. at the fishing rod. <laughs> and Sarah Palin had this natural, innate gift for communicating with frightened, angry, gun-toting, uh, inbred people in the Appalachians. Michelle Batman is absolutely uh, straight down the line fundamentalist. And uh, she says she was turned on so to... So she is um, scarier than Sarah Palin. Though. She's not scary because she's, she's a joke and she's no threat to anyone and she's polling at about 4 or 5%. So she's not funnier or scarier. So the original one-word answer stands. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> the, the root of the Olympic torch was announced this week. Have we seen this story? The, the, the torch is going to abseil down a building in Grimsby. It's gonna, I think it's going to go up Snowdon. It's going to, it's, it's basically taking in all the sort of wonders of, of Great Britain. There is a sense that that initial euphoria, which I accept wasn't unanimous, but was fairly widespread, uh, is now giving way to a sort of realisation that we're looking at a six-week-long, 24-hour-a-day traffic jam are we excited about the Olympics, Rob? Oh, I think I, I really, I'm, I could not care less. Oh. The whole thing feels patronising. It feels like it's been invented for something for the little people to get into. And I think that when they had the riots this summer, uh, they showed that it hasn't worked. They should have just cancelled them. So yeah, we haven't engaged the kids. Look, they set fire to some shops. Let's cancel the Olympics. That would have made them feel bad. <laughs> yeah, but they were nicking trainers. To, you know. <laughs> 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 Did you? Did you? I applied for loads of yeah, tickets. Yeah, me too. Like I stood to lose. If I'd have got all the tickets, mm. I would have had something like I lost twelve hundred pounds. Mm. Would have paid over. I won nothing. Same here. Really? Not even in not even in the Paralympics. No, oh, I didn't try. I, I <laughs> you don't get the same atmosphere. You don't get the same atmosphere in the stadium image do on the telly you don't want to go to these things <laughs> i went to bleeding sydney and i got flu spent the whole thing in bed time in bed in a disgusting hotel room and there was uh, like the heptathlon we won it i can't remember uh, lovely denise lewis and you know what it's like the australians they're quite quite jingo whatever the australian for jingoistic is Dingo so that jingo <laughs> <laughs> that, that jingo ain't my baby <laughs> Um, exactly, they're very dingoistic. So what they do, I mean, I'm not kidding, Channel 9 or whatever it was in, in Sydney, they would show an Olympic ceremony, and they'd say, and the gold medal, medal d'or, yeah. Jason Robertson, Australia. And they'd go up there, maybe. and then they cut away, they wouldn't show the other medals. So they didn't show, when Denise Lewis was winning her heptathlon, no. they showed a group match in a water polo, because Australia <laughs> was in it. But the thing about Olympic Games is, 99.99 recurring percent of mm. people watch it on telly. And if you think there's any difference qualitatively in watching Olympic Games from Beijing, Barcelona, Pluto, Saturn, you know, uh, Alpha Centauri or London, you're crazy. Are there any dissenting voices in the oh. room? Anybody who can... Because I want to be excited about it. I am it. excited about it. Oh, you, sorry. So I'm 
sorry, did you I not sound excited any, enough? I thought your excitement disappeared when you failed to get any of those I know, I didn't get in, but I'm tickets. really, I'm really excited. Right. Well, you can go and stand outside. More excited. <laughs> like excited. A the bisto <laughs> kid at the Olympic, yeah. your nose well, pressed no, I, up I, I, to I, the... Stop it. Let her be excited. It's I think it's, an, it's a huge... We want people to be excited. It's such a huge cultural event, and it's so amazing that it's coming here, and it was the only time in our lifetime where something that big will happen. I think it's going to happen whether you like it or not, so you might as well... Get all aboard. Oh, no, don't get, no, I think... Uh, I feel terrible now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Mark. The, Olympic, the Olympics, uh, once it happens, it, uh, it's magnificent, all of that. You know, I've done a joke before, but I'd say uh, it was true, is that the, when the last Olympics was on, there was a point where I thought, no, I've clearly been watching this for too long mm. now, after hours of kayaking and waiting for it. <laughs> and then there was, the commentator actually said, and you have to say that's a critical moment in the history of Algerian judo. <laughs> <laughs> Going out. Well, it's a mental illness, you know. Uh, <laughs> I call it sportism. <laughs> Those are, Mark and I reckon are, are, are quite a long way along the sportistic spectrum. Yes. Because uh, as long as it's got a scoring system and rankings and tables, and the other, you know, you're watching and it's a, that's something you, you know, Olympic archery or yes. Olympic oh, yeah. tiddlywinks. Like Doesn't yeah. matter what it is. But within that. half an hour, you're an expert, aren't you? Mm. <laughs> We're going to be very miserable about it until it starts, and then we're going to be caught up in it. It would seem we'll be caught up in it the way we would be if it was, you know, in Alpha Centauri. The point is, it could be fantastic. It could be absolutely magnificently brilliant if it really was about getting loads of kids and out of the poor areas and stuff to go and see some how exciting it would be if you went around Stratford and Newham some of the poor areas and said right you know you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have like a ticket to go and see an Olympic but it's gonna be the very opposite of that it's yes. gonna be like a big corporate 750,000 pounds worth of tickets bought by the government the, the, the bigger sports story of the day rather than the week it, it of course revolves around the football team who have somewhat bafflingly emerged as the locus of an argument about Remembrance Sunday, or at least Remembrance Day, because FIFA said that they weren't allowed to wear poppies on their football shirts, and then shortly before we came on stage this evening, FIFA announced that they were allowed to wear a black armband with a poppy on their shirt, and some members of the English Defence League have apparently been dancing on the roof of FIFA in Zurich. John <laughs> Terry's shirt's going to have three Ks instead of the four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd, I'd struggle to think of, of 11 men, 11 English men, less suited to commemorating the notion of personal sacrifice for the greater good <laughs> than the England football team. But this hasn't stopped an astonishing bandwagon with all, all the usual suspects jumping on it. The homelessness figures, as we all know, are horribly skewed with ex-servicemen. Uh, sleeping rough on the streets of London. Cuts to the armed forces are frightening some very serious and se senior military people. And yet the British media, the British public and the British Prime Minister, who's intervened on this, it's bloody disgusting yeah. that they can't have a poppy on their football shirt. To the best of my knowledge, has never said a word about the percentage of ex-soldiers sleeping rough on the streets. So presumably that's less disgusting. They yeah. are asking for uh, 11 homeless men to play in, against Spain on Saturday, then I think, you know... Well, I can well, get the same result. <laughs> I know some of you, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if they're serious, they should take the squad to, uh, to Flanders Field and... and, and yes. And, and unleash a load of mustard gas on them and save us all a load of bother. <laughs> Too soon. And show their commitment to the memory. Well, yeah. yeah. You, you would like to see if they come up with a poem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, that is more or less it for this evening. Finally, uh, we wait to see how the Eurozone crisis, of course, will affect the G20. G20, of course, is the sound that some Americans make when they hear how many other countries there are in the world. <laughs> Please join me in thanking our panel, Mark Steele, Holly Walsh, Rob Deering, and Matthew Norman. have been enjoying No Pressure to be Funny. There is a Christmas show scheduled for the 18th of December. You get a discount on your ticket for that by producing your ticket for tonight. It's really very straightforward. Many thanks for coming along this evening. I'm James O'Brien. Good night. Well